0: I thought you had to be a lawyer, a doctor, a police officer, a nurse, like any of those quote-unquote normal jobs. I thought that that's what you had to do in order to be successful, make a decent income and be happy. That's what I grew up thinking was the route that I needed to take.
1: Before any world-changing innovation, there was a moment, an event, a realization, that sparked the idea. Before It Happened is a show about that idea. I'm Donna Laughlin and each week, I'll take you on a deep dive into a singular light bulb moment that inspired the visionaries to push forward and change our lives. On this podcast, you are hear from innovators from an array of industries and philosophies who imagined and are still imagining the future. Grab your passport and let's go on a journey together. When Rebecca Hamilton was 16 years old, she was homeless. She dropped out of high school, got kicked out of her house, and spent her nights rotating between friends' couches, seedy motels, sometimes even park benches. Rebecca is my guest today, and you might be wondering why I had her on my show. Well, it's because she refused to let her struggles define her. My podcast is called Before It Happened. The hardships she endured in her early life represent her before. So what is her it? Today, Rebecca is building a baking empire in her native Ontario, Canada. She's the founder and CEO of Chick Boss Cake, an innovative factory of confections that she opened out of her own kitchen and has grown to include three locations doing a million dollars a year in sales. She's also using her own experiences to motivate and educate other entrepreneurs. In 2021, she published her first book, The Million Dollar Bakery, And she's the host of the podcast, Scrap the Sweet Talk. Rebecca's journey from sleeping on park benches to rising mogul should be an inspiration to anyone of any age. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or you've owned your own business for 20 years like me, I know I learned a lot from our conversation and I hope you will too. Rebecca grew up the oldest of three siblings in southwestern Ontario. Her father worked in a factory, and her mother was a nurse. She says she grew up in an abusive environment, and it was hard to be at home. She took solace in baking with her grandmother, who she called Oma, but she never once thought it would become her salvation. At 16, she left home for good. Well, 16 is pretty young to go out there into the world. Do you think that you were equipped and ready for that? Or was it just really, you just had to bolt?
0: No, I definitely, looking back now on it, I have no idea how I survived. It was super challenging. I knew that I had to get out of there regardless. So I ended up dropping out of high school and moving out on my own. I moved out with my boyfriend at the time, which obviously posed its own fair share of challenges. And yeah, it's crazy for me looking back now on that because I look back at 16 year olds now and I'm like, I can't believe they're so little. And I don't know how I survived at 16 years old being on my own and having to worry about things like groceries or bus tickets while my friends were worried about going to school dances and normal teenage things. And so, yeah, it was its own challenge, but I didn't see a choice at the time because I I didn't get along really great with my parents and I had my own views and opinions and I really needed to be out on my own. I feel like I was just ingrained to have that entrepreneurial spirit. And so I always wanted to be in control and do my own thing. And that just was not an option. Uh, I had no freedoms and it was very controlling in my family life environment. So I definitely felt like I didn't have a choice, but I do feel like it was very, very challenging to survive on your own at such a young age, you know, when you have no idea how the real world is.
1: So can we go back to when you were homeless? You left at 16. How long were you homeless?
0: Off and on because I ended up getting kicked out of my house quite often before I actually moved out. So at that point, I spent full days and nights on the streets sleeping on park benches, and I spent a lot of time in 24-7 coffee shops that I couldn't afford to even buy a coffee from, but, you know, it was a sheltered spot. I stayed at friend's house sometimes, but, you know, I couldn't stay there all the time. I couldn't live there. And so it was Also in and out of really sketchy motels and stuff like that. You know, I had a like boyfriend at the time. And so when he would get paid, we would be able to stay at these motels, which was nice to sleep in a bed. But at the same time, also really sketchy and uncomfortable when you're a 16 year old girl in a motel with sketchy people around and just a really uncomfortable environment, almost better off on the street when you can be like by yourself at least you almost feel a little bit safer in that sense which is crazy to think or say so it was really challenging
1: so you said you're kicked out multiple times were you doing normal teenage things or is this just a setting in the environment which you described with your father being you know very
0: yes so Basically, it was a whole lot of me standing up for my mom because she wouldn't stand up for herself. And my dad, he had severe anger issues, so he would throw things and, you know, it was a very abusive environment. And so for me to be there and not say anything or stand up to him in any way, it just, it wasn't in me. I couldn't just sit there and watch it happen. So I would always get involved and I would always say like, I would not handle it in the proper way that I would now for sure, but it was still coming from a place of that's wrong. You should not be acting like that when you're a grown man. (laughs) So those opinions and stuff like that, that I formed were coming from a place of being like, right. in my opinion, especially even now looking back, I'm like, I would have totally done the same thing, maybe, you know, handled a little differently. But when you grew up in an environment like that, and all you see is anger and, you know, you just, you grew up thinking that that's acceptable way to handle your emotions and stuff. And so it was a very chaotic household. And being in that environment, I would stand up to my dad and I would say how I felt that he was being irrational and acting crazy, throwing things and stuff like that. And then he would kick me out of my house. And because my mom is very passive and very caretaker of my dad, she would not say anything about it. So I would be, have no choice. Do you think they realized how chaotic that environment was? I think they realize now and, you know, I always thought growing up they shouldn't be together because I just witnessed so much animosity and name calling and stuff that I didn't think was like that's not a healthy relationship for sure and i know that it wasn't but i think they've always tried to like work on things and make it better and stuff and at this point now i do think they know that that was really not a good environment to raise kids in and stuff like that but i also at the same time have a lot of empathy for them because they also got married at a young age they had kids at a young age i definitely think that would be very challenging. They also didn't have a healthy relationship together and they didn't know how to have a healthy relationship, let alone how to have a, a good, wholesome environment for, for kids to grow up in. And I know that the households that they grew up in also affected that too. Of course, it's like that cycle of abuse that kind of carries on, but I do think they're at a place now where they recognize that that was like just a crappy situation all around, so. And your father, what was his profession? So he works in a factory. So there's no baking in my background at all, aside from the fact that I loved baking with my Oma growing up. My family is German background, so she would always make these German cheesecakes and desserts and stuff like that. So I do have really fond memories of baking with her in her home. They always lived in a trailer growing up. And so I just have these great memories baking in her tiny trailer uh, kitchen with her. And she was just one of my favorite people growing up. That was also
1: in Ontario? Yes. So you left home at 16. And did the school know that you were on your own at that point? Did you have any type of assistance or or were you just totally undercover and said, hey, I'm just going to show up? And, and did you finish school?
0: Yeah, that's a really great question. I never actually thought about the fact that I don't think anyone knew what I was going through aside from myself and, you know, my family and my friends. But... I struggled a lot in school, even before I dropped out. It was never my strength. I've always been a really creative person. And so for me, the traditional education system was not working. And to answer your question, nobody really knew. I mean, I knew that the supports were there. They had guidance counselors and teachers and stuff like that. But I mean, I did not know who to ask for help from or where to go because I didn't have anything to compare it to. None of my friends lived on their own. And, you know, I really felt alone. So I really took charge of learning a lot of things on my own. And luckily, I love the self-development area, and I loved reading those books and stuff like that. So those are really what helped me learn essential life skills and business skills and everything that I've come to learn is through reading the books and listening to the podcast. I'm a really hands-on learner, so I never learned really well in a school setting. It was more so anything that's self-taught.
1: Well, Welcome to the club, because half our guests yeah. hated school. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you listen to our season wrap-up, you'll hear that. It's like you did a line in the sand and either they were like total you know, bookish nerds like me or school just sucked. And yes. It seems like either side of the entrepreneurial coin will work. If you look back at that 16-year-old self out and not necessarily having a life map, which most people don't, but at that age, knowing exactly what they want to do. But did you have a a view, a vision of like Rebecca in the future? I'm going to achieve or.
0: Yeah, so. At 16, 17, 18 years old, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I never grew up thinking I want to own a bakery or I want to be an entrepreneur. I honestly was so lost for such a long time. Like in high school, all the adults and the teachers are like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And for me, whenever anyone would ask me that, I just felt like so crappy because I had no answer for it. My answer would always change change based on what I felt that day. I honestly was trying to be a police officer at the time because I thought that the only way to achieve anything great or worse being alive for was I had to follow this path that society deemed to be acceptable or reputable. So I thought you had to be a lawyer, a doctor, a police officer, a nurse, like any of those quote unquote normal jobs. I thought that that's what you had to do in order to be successful, make a decent income and be happy. That's just what I thought. That's what I grew up thinking was the route that I needed to take. And it just you know, this bakery business. I just started to do it in my early 20s for fun, baking for friends. And I was working part time at a shelter for abused women and children, which I honestly love that job. I did that job for five years or
1: so. Was that before you were a police officer? Were you actually in a police academy?
0: No, so I just really was trying to pursue that as a viable career option. So I was doing the tests, I was doing everything, and I did some practice tests at the academy and stuff like that, but I just couldn't, I was not in love with it. I hated the physical aspect of it. And so I got this job at a woman's shelter because it was along the lines of still being in a public service job, helping people and stuff like that. But while I was there is where I discovered my love and passion for baking. So I would always bake and bring the treats in to the homeless women at the shelter and they loved it. And so I just that's how my passion for baking really
1: started. But now you have a connection because you're actually you're working amongst women, but you were once homeless. Exactly. When I got that job, I didn't
0: realize it at the time, but that job really offered a lot of healing for me personally, just based on, you know, my childhood and being homeless and experiencing it for myself. It really helped me heal from that. And it was a really great learning experience for sure. So the shelter had a kitchen where you could bake? Yes. So they had a kitchen. They would make meals there and stuff like that. And you could bake with the women there. And it was a really cool experience. So what did you make? I loved making cupcakes, cakes, cookies. I loved a lot of the seasonal treats that you could really decorate and make them really fun, like the Christmas cookies, gingerbread houses. Any holiday, I would always bake and decorate the treats and stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. And did you make any of Oma's favorites? Well, my Oma has this famous cheesecake recipe that is like a German cheesecake, and it is the most amazing recipe, but you can never make it like Oma can, so you can try, but it's never the same.
1: <laughs> so when you were at the shelter and you're baking and you're seeing, you said it was it was healing for you. So did a light go on, and you're just like, okay, well, this is maybe my calling?
0: Yeah, basically what happened was I realized that baking was a creative outlet for me because I'm a very artsy, creative person. I loved drama in high school. I just anything creative and fun. I loved art and stuff like that. So it was just an outlet for me to be creative and have fun with it. And that's how I fell in love with the whole process of it. Honestly, I think it could have been anything like painting or sculptures or whatever but it just happened to be baking because I also had a big sweet tooth and I was like if I can make art that you can eat I think that is the coolest combination and so that's where the light went off and I was like ooh, like I like doing this and that's when I started doing it for like family and friends and it kind of took off from there, but I never, ever, ever thought that it would grow into the success that it has. I never thought that a bakery could be potentially that successful because you just, you don't see a lot of that in the world. So unless you're Cake Boss or on TV or something, so.
1: Well, and Cake Boss, let's talk about, it. It's a buddy. I used to watch that show a lot, too, because I would just be charmed by all the paste sweets that he would make. And I did go. To, he has a location in Las Vegas, which looks just like his store. Have you seen that?
0: Yeah, I visited his original New Jersey shop when we went to New York a few years ago. So it was really cool to see it in person. Did you meet him? Was he there? He wasn't there, no.
1: But I got to try a lot oh. of his treats, and they're all amazing. So... The inspiration. So now you're baking and you watched a lot of Buddy. How did you become the chick boss? Because the obsession with the cake box? Or how did that come about? That's exactly
0: how it happened. I learned basically all of my skills. I just learned from watching that show and watching a lot of YouTube videos. I never had any formal training or education in baking or decorating or business. So I'm completely self-taught in all of those areas. And his show was the first show that I watched that I ever saw people doing stuff like that with cakes because when I was growing up, I never saw cakes like to that extreme. And it just really blew me away. And I just thought this is next level creativity. And it's so cool that you can create art that is edible like that and I was just awestruck by it and I was like maybe I could maybe try and do this too and because I knew that I was creative and so I did a couple cakes and and it just kind of came fairly natural to me so and I loved that's how I came up with the name too Chick Boss Cake because he is a huge inspiration for how I started my business. Did
1: you have another job or income? Like, were you making income at this point?
0: Yeah. So my boyfriend at the time, he's now my husband, we were living together at this point when I started this baking side hustle hobby thing. And so he worked full time at a bank as a stock trader. And so he had that stable income, which was awesome and eventually when we started and grew our business enough he was able to quit that and he now helps me with the business full-time so we're both in it together completely now but yeah in the beginning it was a gradual slow start to build customers and eventually friends of friends of friends would start asking and so it kind of grew word of mouth locally in our community so
1: so You met your husband through the baking experience, or did you meet him through another channel?
0: I actually met him online. I met him online when I moved to London and he's a very nice person. So we were together for about three years. We start, so he was there from the very start when I started working at the women's shelter and started this bakery idea. And so he was always very supportive and encouraging, which that's what I needed in a partner because I have a very strong personality. So I need somebody a little bit more laid back and adaptable and it just worked out really well. And he's always been super helpful when it comes to the business. There was a lot of times where he was working his full-time job and then he would come and help me do the baking never the decorating because he's not a decorator he's not skilled in that way but he would help me with a lot of the prep work and the dishes and stuff like that so we worked a lot of long hours together so before we got married so that's how I knew that we were gonna
1: work out pretty good but he's a collaborator right which is the opposite of what you grew up with so that's exactly cool. exactly so now you're in your 20s is this is all really taking off then?
0: Yes. So it was like my early
1: 20s when we first started the business. Yeah. When did you go from baking at home or baking to like in a commercial setting? Like what was that leap of faith and how did you just like, you know what, I'm in it to win it. I got to go this direction.
0: We were growing so quickly, and I was just doing this out of my home just for family and friends, but I was getting to the point where I needed to make a decision to either take this seriously and pursue it as a viable career option or figure out something else with my life. Because again, I had no direction of really where I wanted to go. So I was like, you know what, I love doing this. I'm very passionate about it. And I realized that I could work and bake and do all of this for 12 or 16 hours a day and not even pay attention to the time. At all. And so that's how I knew I was really doing something that I loved to do when the time passes and you have no idea and all of a sudden it's midnight and you're still happy, still going and you still love what you do. And it doesn't even feel like work at that point. So we decided to open our first store location, which was in a really small town. It was in the town that we lived in at the time, and so we opened our first store location with real rent to pay and real bills, and it was really scary, but we took the leap
1: of faith, and looking back now, so glad that we did. So, what was your signature? Like, when you opened up, like you said, that, that moment where you got the keys and you had this new commercial space. I mean, that must have felt huge. It did. It was very, um, it was
0: exciting because it was official, but it was a really surreal feeling because now all of a sudden, you know, we have bills to pay and rent to pay and I have to make X amount of cakes in order to break even and then X amount of cakes to make actual money off of it. So I don't know. It was a very big leap of faith, but... I mean, it was the only viable option if I was going to take this seriously. I couldn't continue doing it out of my home for the rest of my life. That just wasn't an option for me. So I either needed to give it up and get a real job or pursue something that my heart was telling me that was the right option to do because I love it and it doesn't feel like work.
1: Let's talk about, I mentioned this Willy Wonka kind of world. How do you come up with your flavors? Do you actually have a sugar lab or a magical place where you're just creating and coming up with concoctions? Or are they customer inspired or or team inspired? Like, How do you come up with potato chip cakes and two flavor lemonades and these unicorn cakes?
0: Yeah. I also love Willy Wonka, like to the extreme. So I grew up loving that movie so much. I was so fascinated by the chocolate river and the fact that you can eat things growing out of the ground, like lollipops and stuff is crazy. And so I always loved the whole over the top extra stuff. And I've always loved really different, unique flavor combinations And actually, in the very beginning of our business, when I was like really, really hands on with stuff, I would always come up with weird flavor combinations. And so I would pair lavender with like peanut butter, with rose or like, you know what I mean? I would just do like these really weird things. And I loved it. I had so much fun doing it. But the general population actually just loves more simplified things. So I learned kind of early on that the the really over-the-top stuff might work in LA or New York, but in my small town where people like vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry, I had to really scale it back a little bit. So now we have our set flavors that are not too weird. They're a little, like they're still fun, but not, too scary for people to try. So we have like cotton candy or bubble gum or banana split. So I take a lot of inspiration from other types of desserts And other like ice cream flavors or drink flavors, like we had a cream soda cupcake at one point. So I get inspiration from very, like all kinds of different foods and stuff like that. And I'm like, hmm, I think that would taste good in a cupcake. And then I put it in a cake version. I get people to try it. They're like, yes, this is great. Or no, this is weird. But, you know, I'm just not scared to try it. So that's, I think that's the key for sure is just not be scared and just go for it. And what's the worst that's going to happen? You don't like it, then you don't have to eat it. And now you have three
1: locations.
0: Yeah. And we're working on a fourth location. So... As of right now, it's been about 10 years from the point of when we started it out of our home. We did it out of our home for about three years until we got our first store location. And now we have three locations and 20 staff. And it's a whole operation now that when I go into our facility, it's very humbling and just so cool to see that. We're able to provide jobs to people where they get to actually
1: decorate cupcakes for a living. It's amazing. Which is amazing. And I have to ask you, your parents and your Oma, were they able to see your success and at least your first store launch? So my Oma
0: and Opa actually passed away Very shortly after I opened my first store location, it's part of the story that I share in the beginning of my book of how hard that was for me because I basically took this huge leap of faith, opened my first actual store location, and it was at the grand opening of that where my uncle came in and told me, you need to go see them right now because they were not doing well. And they both passed away within a week of each other because I'm certain that they could not live without each other. So kind of a sweet, sad story in that way. But it was so hard for me because I had just opened this store. I had no staff and I couldn't afford to take days off to grieve the fact that these two most important people in my life just passed away after I took a huge leap of faith in my life. So that was an extremely big challenge in the very beginning for me. And as far as my parents go, we've always had an on-again, off-again relationship. But luckily at this point, we're kind of on pretty decent terms with each other, which is really nice. I like to just keep things civil and nice. And they do say that they're proud of me and stuff like that, which is always nice to hear from your parents. So yes, they've been to my locations and they're pretty supportive at this point,
1: which is really nice. So Let's talk about your million sales in your book. You do talk about that quite a bit. How long did it take for you to hit a million in sales, which is a huge milestone? And like, what did that feel like when you actually saw that number?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty surreal. So it basically what happened, I've always wanted to write a book. So I love writing. I'm really passionate about it. It's another creative outlet for me. So I knew I always wanted to write a book, but I didn't know really exactly what it was going to be about until we actually reached a million in sales. And I thought to myself, This is really cool that I never in a million years thought that a small local bakery could be that successful, let alone the fact that I dropped out of high school at 16, I moved out on my own, and I had all of these challenges that I faced. And somebody like me, who is not kind of an underdog in that situation, was able to start this business and grow it to over a million in sales. Now, I did not do it by myself. I had my husband help me out for sure. And then I also have 20 staff. So you definitely can't do it alone. But at the same time, for me to be able to look back and be like, I guided this along and I made the decisions to set it up so that we could grow and expand every year and it's just something that when I saw that we were so close to hitting a million in sales it was in November of last year right during COVID which is kind of ironic because when COVID first happened I didn't know if we were going to have a business like many other businesses it was really really scary when it first happened And I didn't know the impact it was going to have on my business. So we just hustled like crazy through COVID and through that year. And then in November, I was looking at the sales for the year and I was like, oh, my God, we could totally hit a million dollars in sales. We only have one month. We had December left to achieve it. And I was like, there's no way we're going to end this year and not hit a million when we were that close to doing it. So we kept hustling and we did it. And then I was like, you know what? This is a great topic for a book to share my story and hopefully and inspire Other people who have a hobby or, you know, maybe they're in their nine to five job that they hate and hopefully inspire them to be able to take that leap of faith and know that you don't have to have any previous experience or education in order to be successful. It's all a mindset game. And I really wanted the opportunity to share my story with other people and hopefully inspire them to take that leap and do what they actually want to do with their life.
1: You know, I think that's the baseline for the book that I enjoyed was although I've had my own business for 20 years, you frame out your journey and your discovery in a way that it was inspirational to me to say, like, oh, maybe I needed to look at things differently, or maybe I need to ask for help. And and asking for help is like saying no, it's sometimes it's harder, right? So I think you know whether you're the 16 year old or you're 36, 46 or 56 the book is that kind of guide which I think is is great. Is there a sequel to the book?
0: Yeah, like I want to write lots of books. You know, until I actually wrote the book and went through the entire process, I didn't know what it was actually like until I actually did it and I got a lot of really great feedback on this one in the sense that It was written as if we were having a coffee together. I wrote it the way that I actually speak, which people can relate to. And it's not overly professional or stuffy, but it gets the points across. And even though my business is a bakery business, it can be applied to any business in any industry because the principles of
1: business are all the same no matter what industry you're in. So, I want you to take us on a visual journey into one of your bakeries. I see these pictures, and you know, they're like minty, you know, pastel colors, and then the desserts are just off the chart, beautiful, fun, creative. Can you just go ahead and walk us through for those of us who might not make it to Ontario? Yeah. But to bring us into Rebecca's world of what that experience and what that smell, the aroma, and like what. Names and names of some of your tasty treats that we would experience in this like Willy Wonka, Rebecca (laughs) world.
0: Yes, and that is very much Willy Wonka-y. I love color. hence the blue hair. I love all colors. So basically you walk into my bakeries. I like my interior of my bakeries are very pastel as opposed to if you came to my home, my home is very bright and bold. I have a very lime green living room and stuff like that. But I love all colors and I love just really exquisite different, unique things. So when you walk into my store, we have a VIP wall, which we call the selfie wall. So that is great for selfies. It has our logo on the background. It kind of looks like the backdrop of a red carpet event. So it's kind of fun and cute for people to take pictures of their kids there. And so we sell a lot of really fun over the top products. So we have milkshakes, Shakes with icing on top and donuts and cupcakes and everything shoved in top of the milkshake. So it's actually super cute because these parents bring their kids in for, you know, treats and then the, they're taking a picture because the treat is like the size of the child's head, which is amazing. I love it so much. I love it's very Instagram worthy. So because our customers are all typically in the age range of social media and stuff. And that's actually how our business really exploded is by creating products for our ideal customers. And so they are all about selfies and photos and stuff. So our products are very photo friendly, and they look really cool in photos and they're super colorful and fun. And so we have fun lemonades that have two different colors in one drink and all kinds of really cool things. We do donuts, cupcakes, cakes, and our whole vibe is colorful, extra and over the top. So as over the top as possible. We don't do any plain squares or anything plain at all. I don't even know what that word means. (laughs) I love everything that's just crazy and colorful and fun. And I also love to have fun with flavors too. So we have cool flavor combinations, peanut butter and jelly, cupcakes as opposed to a sandwich. And my favorite milkshake that we have is a score donut milkshake and it's delicious. So everything is very extra at my bakery and all our customers love it so much. They post pictures on social media and then all of their friends wanna come because it looks so cool to them.
1: So if a buddy walked in, what would be that one thing that you would say, you know, buddy, welcome to my bakery? You got to try this.
0: Honestly, I would say that's such a hard question. Maybe our potato chip cake, because it's like weird, but cool, but different. And so that cake is in the middle of it, it's got potato chip, chocolate icing. And then we put actual potato chips around the sides that are dipped in chocolate and sprinkles. So I always like to get people who would actually appreciate the weird flavors
1: to try them. So I would totally get them to try that one. (laughs) I love it. So we've got a successful business. You have a book, you have a podcast. Just talk a little bit about the podcast, because I think what's great about your podcast and your blog it's very insightful inspiration, and you anecdotally provide people, whether you're business or just someone looking for inspiration. Can you talk a little bit more about both those those outlets for you?:
0: Totally. Yeah, so the podcast is called Scrap the Sweet Talk and it is basically me and my husband do it together and we are talking about our key lessons and takeaways on how not only how we grew and develop our business success, but also how we live our life like with our morning routines and our wellness and everything that's a big part of our lives because I'm a very big Advocate for taking care of yourself first, and that you are your biggest asset. And so, your business will only be as successful as the entrepreneur running it. And so, it's very, very important for me to share my message with people that self care and taking care of yourself is the most important thing above everything else. And so, we talk a lot about pretty much everything that we do in our daily lives to set us up for success and to feel great every day in order to be able to run a business of this caliber because it takes a lot of energy and there's a lot of moving parts. So you have to be very organized and have a clear mind and stuff like that. We love talking on the podcast and helping people out. Podcasts are an amazing way to not only like what you do, sharing other people's stories, which I think is absolutely amazing, but it's a free way to give back to the community and share our advice and share our tips and, you know, grow connections with people from
1: all over the world, which is super, super cool. I always tell people, your first job's not your last job. I tell that to my kids all the time. And your current job might not be less, but is there something that you haven't done yet that, that you really, it's just like now that I actually have the resources and the faculties together to do this, this is besides the books, you know, is there something else that 2022 is going to bring you? Totally. So
0: I'm really excited because in 2022, I'm really going to focus on doing some public speaking opportunities. Hopefully COVID will calm down and we can have some live stuff again. I know in the States, you guys are much more relaxed about it, but unfortunately, we are way more strict over here in Ontario. So it makes live events really challenging. But I do have one coming up where I'm booked to fly across Canada to do a public speaking keynote speaking engagement with a group of entrepreneurs who are just starting their food business which is my ideal audience that or inspiring women so I like to just keep pushing the boundaries stepping outside my comfort zone and I don't know what better way to do that than speaking on stage in front of a bunch of random people I always just try and look at what the next steps are and what else I can do. Because, you know, if you keep doing the same thing,
1: life gets a little boring. That was Rebecca Hamilton. It's important to note that while she hit her first million in sales last year during COVID, she also opened up her third storefront in the heart of the pandemic. She says the plan was always to open a new location in 2020. And when COVID hit early in the year, she not only had to reinvent the business model for her existing stores, but decided to press on with her expansion plans. While small businesses like hers were closing their doors early in the pandemic, Rebecca decided to go against the grain once again. She says she and her husband worked 16 hour days for about five months straight. They ultimately defied the odds and successfully opened in the fall of 2020. And they are far from done. Rebecca says she hopes to eventually expand across Canada and even into the U.S. I think that's pretty sweet. Thank you for listening. Follow Before It on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe. Rate and share the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Before It Happened is produced by me, Donna Laughlin, along with Studio Pod Media. The executive producer is Katie Sunku Wood, and all episodes are written and developed by Jack Brewer with additional editing and music provided by Notalab. Lab.